It took place in June 2009. Under the cover of the headline news, political bathroom scandals, and reality TV, the world underwent one of the biggest changes in recent history. So large, it challenges the very foundation of our economy, how we relate to each other, ourselves, and it even physically changes our bodies. Yet the day it happened, nobody noticed. The amazing part is the event wasn't even discovered to have happened for another eight years. I'm Matthew Sweezy, and you're listening to the Electronic Propaganda Society, a nine-series investigation tracing the cause and effects of June 24, 2009. To really understand the importance of that day, you've got to understand the story and how we get there. And that really starts off with knowing that for the past few years, I've been working for one of the most innovative companies in the world. And my job is to work with some of the largest and most progressive businesses on the planet to really help them better understand this word of marketing and what it means. And as I've been doing so, I've started to notice some central fundamental problems that everybody has. And see, this is where things get interesting. Because if you try to fix those problems by asking the question, how do we be better? You get one answer. But if you change the question and instead ask, why isn't this working? You then start to go down the path that leads you to that day. See, when you start to ask the question, why? You see a very different scenario. Now, I want you to understand, first off, the scenario we're talking about is not just how to sell a few more pair of Nikes. No, we're talking about the fundamental aspects of our economy. See, the United States economy is a consumer-based economy, which means 71% of the entire gross domestic product is consumer spending. And marketing is the grease that keeps that wheel moving. See, just within the United States, we spend over $100 billion each year just on advertising. Now, that's a small portion of the idea of marketing. When you look at this notion of marketing and you look at it globally, Group M, which is one of the largest owners of media properties and ad agencies in the world, expects that 2017 to be a special year because it's the first year that the entire world will spend over $1 trillion on the idea of marketing. Meaning that if marketing was its own nation, it would be the 16th largest nation in the world by economic output. But you see, that's just one way of looking at this number. For a second, I want you to ponder the idea that there is a war going on for your consumer spending dollars. Now let's compare this war to any other war around the world. The Stockholm International Peace Research Institute tracks over 30 nations' annual military expenditure. These nations include the United States, Russia, China, Italy, France, Saudi Arabia, the largest militaries in the world. If you take that annual military budget of 29 of those 30 countries and remove the United States, that equals a trillion dollars. I mean, and what are we getting for all this money? A few trillion emails, some telemarketers, emoji pizza ordering. Oh, we did get the ice bucket challenge. You see, other than a few Super Bowl ads every now and then, nobody's really in favor of this idea of marketing. And when I say nobody, 
I really mean the consumers this is supposed to be having a positive effect on. I call this piece advertising. Quality, values, style, service, selection, convenience, economy, savings, performance, experience, hospitality, low rates, friendly service, name, brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantee, free installation. <laughs> free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, and free parking. Don't forget to pick up your free gift. A classic, deluxe, custom, designer, luxury, prestige, high-quality, premium, select, gourmet, pocket flashlight. It's our way of saying thank you. Actually, it's our way of saying bend over just a little further. Okay, George Carlin is definitely a shock and awe comedian. But seriously, listen to the crowd's reaction. Listen to his voice. There is real frustration out there from consumers with this idea that we have of marketing. And see, it's not just this crowd. See, I tested this out at home. I took the streets of Charleston just to ask some random people what they thought. Yeah, it seems to be picking up audio. Cool, so, uh, yeah, so how about you just give me your name and, and just do first name uh, and what you do for a living. My name's John and I'm a law student at Charleston School of Law. Cool, man, so, uh, so John, quick question. How do you feel about marketing as a consumer? Um, some places it's way too intrusive, other places it's, um, it's alright. Ever find marketing annoying? Absolutely, especially those pop-ups that, um, it seems to be a new trend on these websites where you go to and you're scrolling down trying to read the article and it just, the YouTube up top just keeps following you and that's really frustrating to me. Do you remember any advertisements that you really hate? Um, pretty much every car commercial. So you, you hate every Okay, so not as eviscerating as George Carlin, but still, this guy's not too hot on the idea. Now let's just ask one more for fun and see what they think. Cool. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. Alright, you mind if I ask you something? No, that's fine. Cool. So you want to just give me your first name? I'm Charles. So what are your views on marketing as a consumer? Oh, uh, the industry led by people like Google um, have turned evil. Did they he just say that he thinks marketing is... Evil? Okay. George Carlin jokes and Austin Powers aside, I think you get what I'm going for here. You see, we have this idea of marketing and we spend an astronomical amount of money on it. Yet what we're getting for it seems to be a lot of pissed off people. And yeah, we all agree that pissing off people is a bad thing to do, especially when it's via the actual tactics that we're trying to use to attract people to us. But you see, just pissing people off, that's not really a scientific measure for us to really investigate a little bit more as to why is this idea of marketing failing, we really need to have some type of a measure on its actual effect. And to help us see that effect, I want to reference a research study that I did back in 2013. Now, this research study has a couple of key components that I want to share with you before I dig into the details. First, this was a study of B2B buyers, and why that's important is because the decision that these people will be making based off the marketing they're engaging with may have a direct impact to their employment, and bad decisions could cost them their jobs. Second, I removed any marketers from this study, which allows us to remove the bias towards marketing from this data. And third, this research really focused on a new aspect of marketing called content marketing, which was the most progressive form of marketing at the time. When the data came back, it turned out that 71% of these buyers had been disappointed with the content that they had downloaded from a company. 
But here's the kicker. Remember to what extent did it affect them? Well, 25% of those people that were disappointed said they would never engage with that brand ever again. So it's not just that we're pissing people off, we're literally driving people away from our businesses via the tactics that we believe actually attract them. Continuing down this path and the investigation as to why, you reach the next major red herring. And that's the simple one, the number game. See, we all know it costs a lot of money, and we all agree that we know we're pissing off a lot of people, but we continue to do these things because we believe that it works on enough people to make all that worthwhile. And that really gets us to this sadistic validation of this idea, that marketing works because it's a numbers game. Now let me disprove this idea with a couple of statistics. First, the idea that it's working means that there has to be some goal that it is accomplishing. Now, everyone would agree that one of the major goals that marketing must accomplish is to build trust. People must trust these products with their lives in some cases. And at the very least, they must trust that the brand is going to be able to deliver on its promises. But now here's what we find. In 2015 and 2016, the Gallup poll on trusted professions finds advertising professionals at the bottom only surpassed by the distrust in congressmen, in lawyers, in insurance salespeople. Here's the kicker. Advertising professionals are only one percentage point more trusted than insurance salespeople. All right, the second point I want to share with you comes from Lori Wisdo. Lori's one of the chief analysts at Forrester Research. They're one of the research firms that delves into these complex sales and looks at the effect that marketing has on them. Now, a few years ago, I was able to hear Lori give a presentation where she shared some phenomenal research that she had done. What she found was on average, B2B businesses only convert 0.7 of every 100 leads they generate into revenue, meaning this idea of marketing fails on average 99.3% of the time. But now what you're probably saying is, but that's only the average people. I bet those high performers are doing so much better. And you're so correct, they are. They're doing twice as well. Whereas the average business is only able to convert 0.7 of every 100, high performers are able to generate 1.5 of every 100 leads into revenue, meaning high performers still fail 98.5% of the time. So this idea that you may have that marketing is a numbers game, first off, that idea is creating a massive amount of distrust because you're treating people like numbers. Second, any game where you only win 0.7% of the time, well, that's a pretty shitty game. All right, let's review real quick. First off, we spend an insane amount of money on this idea of marketing. Second, nobody really likes it. Third, it's not just that they don't like it, it's actually causing them not to ever want to engage with us. Fourth, even the best-in-class companies using the best-in-class tactics still fail 98.5% of the time with this idea of marketing. And this concept is so frustrating to me because every day I see more and more marketing. 
And, and I'm screaming, why am I the only person asking the question, why is marketing failing? Then I sat down and I picked up a book. That book happened to be E.F. Schumacher's book, Small is Beautiful, with the subtitle, Economics as if People Mattered. Here's what Schumacher writes. The most striking thing about modern industry is that it requires so much and accomplishes so little. Modern industry seems to be inefficient to a degree that surpasses one's ordinary powers of imagination. Its inefficiency, therefore, remains unnoticed. So here we are, a world filled with marketing, yet by all of my accounting, it's completely failing. And you may be agreeing with me on some things, but more likely you're saying, yes, but. Yes, the idea of direct mail may be failing, but I've got email. Or yes, the idea of advertising may be failing, but I've got digital methods. See, ideas change, and yes, we agree that they change, but there are thousands of expert marketers telling us that they've got the secret, they've got the trick, they've got the hack, as they commonly refer to it. And here's the next major red herring that I found with this failure of marketing, and that is experts. The first major problem I have with this idea of experts is a majority of them just simply aren't experts. And this isn't just me that thinks this. There are a lot of people that think this. In fact, there's one, Tom Nichols, who did such a great job at explaining this. I want to share with you his words from an article he published in The Federalist called The Death of Expertise. Here are his words. I fear we are witnessing the death of expertise, a Google-fueled, Wikipedia-based, blog-sodden collapse of any division between professionals and laymen, students and teachers, knowers and wanderers, in other words, between those of any achievement in an area and those with none at all. Now, you probably agree that there are a lot of people out there who are claiming to be experts, but they really aren't. But see, I want you to understand to the extent that we have a problem with this, especially in the world of marketing. In 2013, The Atlantic wrote a phenomenal article highlighting this exact topic. What they did was they diagrammed the world of expertise just within the niche of social media marketing. What they found was fascinating. Just within the world of social media marketing, they found there to be over a hundred thousand supposed experts, with job titles ranging all over the place, from expert, authority, guru, and my favorite, ninja. Now, first off, we all know none of them are ninjas, but see, there actually is a marketing ninja, and his name is Chris Penn. He's an actual expert in both marketing, as well as the skills and training in the martial arts to be considered a ninja. Now, if you meet anybody else that claims to be any kind of marketing ninja, you instantly know two things about them. First, they're lying to you, and second, they're really not all that creative. Okay, so I think you get it. There are a lot of people who are claiming to be experts who really aren't. But why is this such a problem? Well, let me explain. And to do so, I want to read a passage from Arnold J. Toynbee in his 12-volume magnum opus, A Study of History, that he published back in 1961. Here's what he says. He says, The breakdown of civilizations is not caused by a loss of control over the environment or a loss of control over the human environment or even attacks from the outside. 
Rather, societies that develop great expertise in problem solving become incapable of solving new problems by overdeveloping their structures for solving old ones. Now see if you follow this. If you go to an email expert and you ask them, how do I be better at marketing? What can they tell you? Well, they can tell you how to be better at sending an email. See, they're still leaving that fundamental question of marketing alone. They're not touching the foundation. And this is the problem when we have a lot of quasi-experts, is they're not really experts looking at the foundations of what they're iterating upon. They're just simply making iterations upon long-standing ideas without questioning those underlying foundations. And as we've seen in the first half of this podcast, those underlying foundations or that core assumption of what marketing is and that it's working is completely failing. So if we have an entire army of people trying to hold on to that idea, what do you think we're going to end up with? That's what Toynbee's talking about. See, if we fail to understand the shifting of foundations and fail to understand that that needs a new set of solutions for a new set of problems, we'll continue to try to solve the new problems in the old ways. But in this case, it's not going to be the failure of our society. It's going to be the failure of your business. And see, all of this really brings us back around to that day, to June 24th, 2009. And why that day is so critical this discussion is simple. It's the day that we left the limited media era and entered the infinite media era. Now let me explain what I mean by the limited media era. First off, you need to realize media has three foundational aspects, creation, distribution, and consumption. In the limited media era, all three of those were limited. We were limited in how much media we could create because there was a high capital cost of the creation of media. Second was the distribution. Distribution was limited because you had to go through an existing distribution channel or network, which cost money, hence there was a barrier to distribution. So really the only people that could create and distribute media were businesses or anyone with the capital to do so. Then we get to consumption meaning all that was there for us to consume was really business media. Now, I want you to think about this one statistic. In 2017, there are over 7 billion people on this planet. 4.8 billion of those people have adequate sanitation. 5.8 billion of those people have electricity. And 6 billion of those people, they all have cell phones. And what can each one of those cell phones do? It can create, it can distribute, and it can consume media with zero friction. That's the first time in the history of the world that has ever been the case. And as such, it's brought us into an entirely new media environment, which means we've got to call into question anything that was created or founded in the old era, because those foundations, they no longer apply. Media environments are massively powerful things. And the shifting of one media era to the next has a dramatic effect on the entire world around it. Now, they also don't change all that often. So let me tell you a story about a time in the past when the media environments changed and just how drastic that was for the world around it. See, back in the 1400s, there was this guy named Jonas Gutenberg. And what Jonas did was he created movable type. What that allowed for is books to be created faster. It was still a limited media era, 
but it allowed for more media to be created. That one little change? That was fucking massive. Because Jonas Gutenberg is single-handedly cited with helping lead the world out of the Dark Ages and into the Age of Enlightenment. Now remember, Gutenberg just changed the ability for more people to create it. It was still limited in who had the power and ability to distribute it and how much was existing in the environment. The change I just discussed in shifting from a limited to an infinite environment is the greatest change in the shifting media environments that has ever happened to the world. Its effects? Well, those are going to be massive too. But what are they going to be? We really don't know. It's too early to tell. But we know one thing. That idea that we have of marketing? Well, it's failing. And the simplest explanation as to why? Is because it was made for a different media era. I hope you'll join me for the next eight episodes of the Electronic Propaganda Society, where we're going to dig deeper into this idea of the infinite media environment and what that means for a new idea of motivation, persuasions, and the new foundations we must adopt for a modern idea of marketing. But before we end today, I want to leave you with one final thought. This comes from Marshall McLuhan in a book he wrote called Medium is the Message. McLuhan writes, Media by altering the environment invoking us a unique set of ratios and perceptions. The extension of any one sense alters the way that we think, act, and perceive the world. When these ratios change, men change. Mm-hmm.